guys ready to conclude the book of James? Sad. I don't like to conclude a series sometimes. Uh, sometimes I'm done with them. You ever feel that way too? You're like, okay, we're done. Let's move on, Pastor. Um, but today, <laughs> today it's, it's bittersweet because what God has done in my heart as I have deeply studied the book of James has changed so many things for me. You know, last week talking about that godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom, wasn't that something uh, for you that was, uh, for me it was, kind of revolutionary that challenged me in my thinking as to why do I do what I do? Who do I see as wise around me and why? Is it because of what they do, the, the possessions they have, the jobs they have, the family they have, whatever it is, or do I look at them as wise because they exhibit the character of Christ. And that's really something that's stuck with me so majorly. It's a litmus test for the decisions that I make. Because wisdom is about what we do. And that's so important. So today, we are going to be concluding uh, this series of James talking about living with patience. Is that stepping on any toes yet? Talking about being patient all right. Oh, man, this, this, this is tough. When we look at the first part of chapter 5, I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to camp between 13 and 17, and then we will conclude with the end of that. Excuse me, 13 through 11, and conclude with the end as a synopsis as well. But when I, when I look at this, we see that James is directly talking to the Jewish folk, the unbelieving ones who followed worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. They're more worried about building their personal wealth and stature than about building the kingdom of God, okay? They're worried more about prestige than they are worried about God's presence, right? Uh, to, written to a folks that would be seeing a day of reckoning from Rome. The Roman Empire is about to, to get really big and, big and crazy towards Christians. So you see that he's also writing to folks saying that things are about to get real, all right. As I said yesterday, uh, underneath that shelter, I felt like the Lord saying that things are going to be amazing, but things are about to get real. Right? They're about to get real. Is that exciting when you know you're about to go further with God, but you know you're about to to experience more difficulty? Is that exciting for you? Not at all for me. But James writes to us, writes to them to help us to be encouraged, okay? And especially in that sphere of patience, right? So he's writing to let them know also those ones that have been exploited by these rich folk of that day that were exploiting. There's nothing wrong with having riches, but what you do with them and the power that you put over others with, that rich, with those riches and that stature that you have in life is the problem. So James is also writing here to let those know who have been exploited, you know, those that have been taken advantage of, you know, that, that God has seen them in their struggle. I think that's important, that God has seen them in their struggle. So a couple questions to start out. Have you ever felt like you've been forgotten? <laughs> have you ever felt like you've been forsaken? Okay. Um, have you ever felt like God doesn't see felt that way? You or what you're going through. You know, have you ever felt that way? See, because James is writing to you, to me that day, that today, that, that God doesn't even know what I'm going through right now. And here's James saying, hey, I'm going to talk to you about something called patience. So we read in James 3, 13 through 17, 
Be patient then, because remember, he just got off talking about how hard you guys have been persecuted and the struggling that you're going through. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters. I love that terminology. We use those kinds of terms in church a lot because we have the same daddy, all right? Brothers and sisters in Christ is what James is talking about. Until the Lord's coming. He's coming back from the beginning. He said, I'm going to come back. I'm sending you someone who will be with you, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, but I am going to come back for you. Jesus says, I'm going to come back. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? Patiently, you see this word really coming up here, guys, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Ever since the beginning, James was talking about this. And since the beginning, some 2,000 years later, we're here. It's all about Jesus coming back. Okay? Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. Anybody have kids that fight a lot in your house? You're like, I'm about to build a different house. Y'all are going to stay there, and I'm going to stay here. I've been pretty blessed that mine aren't too, too bad yet, but we have two daughters, and we know that's about to get real down the road, okay? I am not deceived, okay? (laughs) Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He's talking about Jesus in this way. Verse 10, brothers and sisters... As an example of patience in the face of suffering, he didn't say, if you suffer. He didn't say, maybe you'll encounter some difficulty in your life, friends, brothers, and sisters. In the face of the suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Prophets were not very favorable people back then because they spoke in the name of the Lord and they spoke things that people did not want to hear. Okay, like, hey, quit sinning. What? Hey, be nice to your brother or sister. Hey, why why don't you have some character in this or that? Hey, repent, repent, turn from your life that you're living and leading on your own and turn to God. As you know, we, we, we count it as blessed those who have persevered. Those guys persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance. Anybody heard about that guy, Job? It's not Job, okay? It's not the book of Job. We all have those every day, right? It's the book of Job, okay? That's okay if you didn't know that, literally. Judgment-free zone, all right? But you have heard of Job's perseverance. Remember that? His wife was such a wonderful character to him, saying, uh, look around you, homeboy. Things aren't going too well. Maybe you should curse God and die. Wow! Be careful who you choose as your mate. That'll sink in later. Like when you're like wanting to buy that ring or, you know, yeah. Job's perseverance. Remember that? And have seen what the Lord finally brought about. You read further on in his life. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So let's take a look at patience. We read through this portion of scripture, the heart of James on something that I think is so important that we have to have and something that we have to live with as we live as Christ, patience. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay. Oh my goodness. Oh wow, why are you saying this? Trouble or suffering without getting angry 
or upset. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. How many of you lack that capacity? Can I get a hand with me? This is with me, okay? With me, all right? You know the day and age that we live in. If our internet is not working, we are going to go ballistic, okay? If we don't have at least 50 gigs, it's not true internet, all right? If we don't have the opportunity to, to, to go outside, right, and just turn over or maybe push the button on our car, and it, and it, and it starts, great. But if it doesn't, I don't have the capacity today to deal. You know what I mean by this? Patience. Then that's just stuff. How about the people side of things? Wow. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay when you think about your spouse or your significant other. Uh, you're ready 15 minutes before they are. Every, oh, I am not looking at faces, okay? I do not want to, I am not accountable to that, all right? 15 minutes late? What is your problem? I don't have the capacity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't have the capacity, okay? Uh, trouble, because in this world, you will have trouble, okay? And it's not just a game that you play anymore. It's called life, all right? Or suffering. <laughs> Suffering's legit. We all have it in different ways. And, and James is really getting on this, especially for Jewish folk that are going to go through some difficult times under Roman oppression that's going to come without getting angry or upset. I am hilarious. I mean, Kara can attest to this, okay? It's funny, and now all of them make fun of me with it, especially Andalyn, all right? The capacity to be patient, okay? If stuff's in my way, all right, I, I will always kick it. I will always trip over it. I will always find it, okay? And what's really hilarious is when, when Andalyn now will make fun of Dad because I get like, what is wrong with this? And she's like, what does she say? He's an angry little elf. That's what she says. <laughs> And what do we do in those moments? We just straight up laugh, you know? Patience. This struggle is real. And James is talking about this because, you know, we're talking about surfacey stuff here, you know, uh, you know tongue-in-cheek laughing. But patience spiritually, man, that's, that's big stuff. Patience in the midst of suffering and adversity all, we all understand that and are versed in that in a different way. But my, my question, and one question that we're going to answer is, is what causes us to lose our patience? For me, it's, it's, it's a box in the way. I'm just kidding. But you know, but like the deep things, like what really causes you to lose your patience with God? What causes you to lose your focus and your ability to think straight in a situation? Uh, what gives you the capacity, right? What causes you to lose the capacity? How are you able to make it without getting angry or upset? Because it's literally uppercase G. I need to hear this. And we all do. And what a great way to end this book talking about something that will carry us through our lives, how we can live as Christ's patience. So as we conclude, we move to, uh, to the, the ending of this book. And the first answer to this question of what causes us to lose patience, the number one thing we see in verses uh, 7 through 8 of chapter 5 is the waiting. The waiting. 
We made the joke of the, the high-speed Wi-Fi, but you guys know it's even harder in the kingdom of God, the waiting. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. He, does have, he has no control over that, waiting, patiently waiting. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Do they come from the... Oh, that's, that's something different there. We're, we're not going to go there. At times, faith and action looks like insecurity and instability to the world. What does this mean? See, we're talking about this, this waiting room place, and we're talking about folks looking in from the outside, and they look at us just sitting and waiting, and they're like, what is up with your life? I don't see anything changing. You have this faith stuff and all this you talk about, but you look like nothing is moving forward in your life. You look like you have been in this waiting room forever, and, and you, you are bleeding. Anybody ever been to the ER? Uh, if, if you're not dead, you're not getting in really soon, okay? Uh, you're like bleeding out here. Your fingers, you know, lacerated, whatever, and they're just like, oh, we'll get to you in a minute. We'll get to you in a minute. We'll get to you in a minute. And you're like, you know what? I'm about to get to you in a minute, all right? I'm done. I brought my own knife. I'm going to straight, you know, okay? Uh, you're in the waiting room, and when you think about this, this is when folks look in from the outside, they're looking to see how you respond to the waiting room experience of life. And this is the thing that makes me impatient because you know on the other side of the wall, there's a doctor that will see you, maybe. There is supposed to be a doctor on the other side of that wall that will see you and you are waiting and waiting and waiting and you are losing your patience. I have this little tomato plant that was given to me, okay? This, is for, this was for Allie because she wanted to be a little micro farmer. So we took a potter outside, and I said, if you can grow these. Uh, you notice how I said it was given to me because who waters it most? Who cares for it most? The farmer of the small pot, okay? But there's this tomato plant, and I keep watching this plant every single day. I go out and check it and look at it like I'm, I'm a farmer or something. I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, well, she's getting bigger. She's looking good. She's starting to get some flowers on there, you know, some blooms. Uh, hopefully some tomatoes will come. Hopefully something will happen with this. You know, I'm waiting, and I'm waiting every single day. I get excited because I'm hoping that someday it'll produce some t tomatoes. Do I even eat tomatoes? No. No. Do I want to grow tomatoes? Yes. I want my family to have tomatoes, okay? But what I'm saying is as I sit there as that little micro farmer of my little farmette called a planter outside of my house with a, a tomato plant, and all I can do is wait, wait for God to provide. My job, right, is to make sure the soil's good, that there's water there, proper sunlight, prop that thing up so it can stay straight and not fall over and die. But I wait. We're in the waiting room. We're in the holding pattern. Some of these Ecclesiastes talks about this, 3, 1 through 10. And you may have heard this before. I'm going to just touch on some of these things. There is a time for everything, and we sang about it earlier, which was really crazy, and a season for everything under the heavens. And I thought about this. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, time to dance, time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to, re to refrain from embracing. That's our non-huggers in the room. We'll still hug you. 
A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to, t- to, to tear, a time to mend. A time to be silent, which I don't know about. A time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. A time for war, a time for peace. There is a time for everything. And it's on his timing. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. The waiting is what's the hardest. But he, he will make it right when the time is right. He will make it right. Be patient and stand firm. James 5, 8, because the Lord's coming is near. He is on the other side of the door. He will see you. He will also produce the harvest that's supposed to happen. What's the second thing that causes us to lose patience? Second thing is this, looking at others before ourselves. What does this mean? James 5, 9, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Remember we talked about that before? That he's standing at the door and he's going he's gonna to answer what you need in your life, but he's also standing there as a judge. Isn't it so easy, though? Isn't it so easy to, to look at somebody else and find their faults? Isn't that easy? Look at somebody else and, and, and find their shortcomings. Look at somebody else and find their blemishes. Look at someone else and find where they're missing the mark versus looking in the mirror, which can be very scary. Have you ever tried to hold a conversation with somebody and keep your eyes locked on theirs? It can, be, it can feel a little weird, right, sometimes? Have you ever tried to do that with yourself? Have you ever got like, who is that? Who is that person? Do you ever do that? I have. I'm like, do I even look like that? Wow, I am totally asymmetrical, but I'm still made in his image. No, you know. But have you ever looked at yourself long enough to really look at yourself? And a lot of times we don't want to do that. We want to mask over what's going on in our lives and look to someone else's life. We're quick to judge versus being quick to give grace. We're quick to assume versus slowing down long enough to talk about things, to to figure out whatever it is that's going on. We're quick to make others feel small so that we feel big. We're quick to look at others. But James said that Jesus is coming back. He's on the other side of the door, and he's going to judge us based upon what he said was the most important thing, to love God with everything in you and to love your neighbor as yourself. The litmus test of how much of a believer you are and how much you love God and love others. It's hard, though, when we constantly look at them and we see so many imperfections. No one's perfect. No one will ever be perfect. If you're looking for perfection in them to help you feel better, good luck. Look within yourself. Look at the, the, the plank in your own eye versus the speck in theirs. Look at yourself. Look at yourself because if you look at others, you will quickly become impatient and done with it. We are all a house with a door and it depends on who we allow in. Jesus knocking saying, I want to help you love God and love people. Or the enemy saying, hey, let's do this. You do, you do you, you be you, you do what you want to do, go where you want to go. Who will you let in? Because how you look at others depends on who's sitting at your table first, God or the enemy. Third thing, what causes us to lose patience? Difficult times. 
Difficult times. It's so true. Man, this last year was difficult for Kara and I. Really difficult. Not like relationally, but it was like a lot of financial stuff, like always a hit. Did you ever feel that way? Where it's non-stop. Something else, something else. And I can tell you that that really changes the way you feel about things, doesn't it? When you don't know if this is going to work out or that's going to work out, God has provided, obviously. But it changes. Difficult times make you very impatient because you wonder if he's ever going to show up. Because all you see that's around you is the difficult time. You don't see the blessing in disguise. You don't see what he's trying to do. All you see is what you don't have at that moment. It might be a relationship thing. It might be a financial thing. It might be a spiritual thing. But it's a difficult time nonetheless. Perseverance is what he's saying here. Be an example of patience in the face of suffering. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, as you know. We talked about Job's perseverance in verse 11. And how the Lord finally brought it about. He finally brought it about for Job. And he will finally bring it about for you. But you got to allow, you got to persevere and allow him to enter into your situation with you. Perseverance, steadfastness, and doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. That quick thought here is what does success look like to you? What does it even look like if you were to define it? In your own life, why? What does success look like? Why would you do what you do to get there? Because when you define that, you'll see one way or the other if you're persevering in the wrong way with the wrong thing. Perseverance. James's perspective on this is persevering toward the patience it takes that God wants to give you to sustain and move forward in your life, Okay? So how will we make it through? And this is, I think this is where the rubber meets the road here too. How will we make it through difficult times? We see at the end of verse 11, we make it through because the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Compassion and mercy. And a lot of times we forget this. Hopefully you've had a good experience growing up with a, a parent in your life that exhibited compassion and mercy toward you, which enabled you to succeed in almost anything. And, and maybe buffet, buffeted difficult times in your life because of the compassion and the mercy they exhibited to you. There's times when I look at my kiddos and something's going on that I can, I can clearly see is, is different. I mean, difficult for their lives. And I have compassion and mercy upon them. What does that mean? I take pity on them. I can tell that their strength is insufficient and they cannot pick up this or that. Maybe it's a physical thing, you know, something heavy. I pick it up. I'm like, poor thing. They think they can lift that up. Pity. It's not a negative term all the time. But that compassion. But also that my heart, my heart is bent toward them, which is that mercy, that that love that I have, that I want to enter into this difficult time with them to help them. Talking about that. See, this is what God desires to do with your life. This is what James is talking about, that Jesus wants to be present in the midst of your difficult time to give you patience, to help you persevere so that you will be able to stand firm long term. That he will help you because he has mercy and compassion. But also we see that he wants to use your life as an example for someone else. When you look at your life right now, you'd be like, I am an example of something, not of God. The way I respond, Justin Myers, when I trip over something at the house, 
you know, or, or, or there's, there's a, literally a box can be six feet from me, but I still hit it. I'm like the bull in a china shop thing. You know, it's always that way. It's, it's ridiculous. Pray for me. Pray for Kara because she has to hear it. But God wants to use your life, your difficult situations to display his abilities within it. His perseverance. This means that God will show up in your difficult times, even if it's not the way you envisioned it. But listen to this. But even more, it may not be for the way others envisioned it either. See, God is using your life, right? What I mean by this is they see you in that waiting room and they're like, this is stupid. Go do something to get better. They see you in this difficult time, and they're like, just do something to get out of this. But then they see, like we see the life of Job at the end, full circle, and how God did provide. And it wasn't the way they envisioned that provision. It was godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. And your life in the midst of a difficult time displayed the ability to persevere through one of the most difficult situations you've ever experienced. God wants to use your life. He's full of compassion and mercy, but he's also wanting to use you to help others. Love God, love people. God is doing something in the midst of this difficult time. And and listen to me on this, okay? Sometimes there's very intimate moments that you have with God, and things are birthed out of that that nobody understands. I can't explain to you the love that I have for my wife and the kids that we've had from it. You see what I'm saying by that? That's one of the most intimate things that y'all don't even know about either. <laughs> That's just weird. Okay? But out of these most intimate moments, God has brought these treasures that we call children. And I can't explain to you the love that I have for my wife or my kids because it's mine. It's mine. And when you look at difficult times and what God is trying to birth out of your life in these difficult times, sometimes it's just for you. Sometimes it's just for you so that when you are in the waiting room, you feel his presence. Nobody else understands what's going on. Yeah, he wants to use your life as an example, but sometimes it's just for you. Just for you. Because when it's just you and nobody else, it's you and him. Because he's birthed something in that moment. Okay, last thing is this. What causes us to lose patience, the last thing that causes us to lose patience, Matt, if you and the team would like to make your way up, is a loss of trust. A loss of trust. James 5.12 says this, Above all my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Whoa, that's strong. Do you get that? But what thing out of this? Mm, probably not so much. But what, what does this mean, this simple yes or no? What is this, this simple yes or no in response to what questions you are asked in life? What does this mean? It talks about your character. It talks about your response to life. It talks about how you respond to things when things get difficult. It, it tells if you want to conceal or hide things or you want to live a life that's in the open. I ask my kids if they do something or I ask a leader. I'm like, did you do this? Well, man, I was so tired with that. Oh, I'm like, no, 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 no. Yes 
or no? Because a lot of times what we do is we want to conceal what really happened. And what happens on the other side of that conversation to the person that we're talking to? They lose trust in you. And a loss of trust in a relationship brings about a loss of patience between two people. See, how often do we do that with God, though? God, man, you know my heart. God, hey, God, we cool, right? God, come on, God. God. He's like, yeah, I do know your heart. That's the problem. It's messed up right now. He wants you to be like, yes to this or no to this. Not try to beat around the bush of this because we can trust God with everything in us, but can God trust us with everything he wants to place in us? When we don't have trust, that currency, we lose patience. Maybe with others, maybe God with us, but one of the main things that we lose is trust. So we see in the rest of chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, we see this prayer of faith is what the title is here. But what it is is really, and I'm going to give a brief synopsis, of how we should respond when we have lost patience. Because I asked you, have you lost patience in some way? Do you feel like maybe God has lost patience with you? How do you respond to this? Because James is teaching us to live as Christ beyond today. How do you respond? What do you do? Verse 13, if you're struggling... You should pray. If anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. Does that not seem like the most insignificant, uh, uh, probably answer that we could ever receive to our difficult situations? Well, you need to just pray about it. Listen here, sister. I'm about to throat chop you because what I need you to do right now is respond to my difficult situation. I know that you have, you know, a thousand dollars that's just sitting around and here's my problem. Here's my struggle. I need this bill paid. That may be that. Or here's my problem. I know that you can straighten out this relationship, this problem. You can help make it better between me and this person and you telling me to pray. God, you can help me here. But you mean I got to talk to you about it? That's what prayer is. Starting with developing the relationship with God and talking to him about it. Verse 15, if you're sick, you should be prayed over. Maybe there's something going on in your physical body. Maybe in your mental state, your emotional state, your spiritual state. Talk to God with others about it. Meaning, bring it before the Lord. Let someone pray over you, believe with you. You take what's going on in your life, the sickness that may be existing, and take it to the Lord so that he can take it away, that you can be healed. Verse 15, if you have sin, you should confess it. Talk to others with God. So we see talking to God, talking to God with others, but then also, I love this, talking to others with God. That when things are overwhelming in your life and you have fallen into sin, the person that you have sinned against, confess that to them. Say, look, this is how I've wronged you. This is what I've done. I'm bringing this before you today because I want to confess this because I know that if I confess this, I don't have to carry this, that I can be free from this. I want to take it to you today, God, to confess it. 
I want you to go with me, God, to that person as that advocate that I have and help me get through this because I've lost patience. 1 John 1, 5 through 9, especially verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. I love that. There's power in confession. Because what it does is it admits where you've messed up and allow God into the situation to make it better, which leads us to communion. If our ushers could come forward, we're going to help us with communion today. Thinking about this so much the past few days and maybe more the past few weeks, I've become more patient than I've ever been, honestly. You guys can start handing out. Uh, Don't receive until we pray together, if you don't mind. I've been thinking about this over the the, the past few weeks, um, about what what, what does patience look like in my life, and, and how can I really exhibit it? Because I know, guys, I really lack it really often. I've been a mess sometimes, and, and I get stressed, I get overwhelmed, and I lack patience. And I realized in the midst of all of this, the best thing for me to do is, is really allow Jesus to work on my behalf. Allow the work of the cross to work itself out in my life, that redemption that was bought for me. Allow that the forgiveness that I need happen in my life so that I can forgive others. Allow myself to slow down long enough to smell the flowers, right? Not too long, because <laughs> then you're lazy. But slow down long enough to smell the flowers and enjoy the moments and be patient in that. But how does this happen? How, does this, how do I get to that place in my mind Allowing Jesus to have the place in my heart that he's supposed to have. See, Jesus sat at the table with his friends, the ones that would begin the church as we know it. He sat with them at the table, and like James has sat with us during this series, talking about a lot of difficult things, maybe. He sat at the table with them, and he talked about what the future would look like, and no no telling what else happened at that table. But he sat there, and he says, you know, there's going to be a time when things are difficult. There's going to be a time when you enter into difficult times. You know, there's going to be things that are going to frustrate, guys. I'm, I'm doing something in you and through you that's going to be amazing. But you got to remember me in those moments. you got to remember me in the context of what I've done. You have to hold on to who I am, and you have to do greater things, which means you're going to do it yourself. You're going to help somebody else do it themselves and help others too, and we're going to see the world reached through what you're about to do. Greater things. I looked at my life and the patience that I lacked, I couldn't even do great things. I got too overwhelmed and frustrated with this and that. When I go back to Jesus, when I go back and put myself at the table with him and them, I see who I need to be and what I'll become in the process. And today, that's the challenge. Today, that is the challenge for all of us, is to allow the work of the cross to work in you. On the front of the table says, do this in remembrance of me. 
I love that. This is the, the, the old communion table that's been around, I don't even know how, how long in, in First Baptist, but it's, it's the one that I like the most because of the scratches and because of the, the weathered nature of it, of, of years of handling and, and years of distribution of the elements uh, that, that we look at as reminders of what Jesus did. Patience. Jesus patiently went to the cross for you. Jesus patiently bore those stripes on his back. Jesus patiently welcomes you into the kingdom. He patiently wants to remind you today of how much he loves you. So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 29, in just a moment we will receive together. We hear this written here, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, because even Jesus did that, understanding that every good thing came from God. He'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And don't take it yet. We will in just a moment together. But when you think about his body that was broken, that's why James talks about if you're sick, be prayed over so that you can be healed. A lot of times people think that stuff was for back then, but that stuff is for right now. As I received word about a month ago about one of our folks, their little girl who was going through some medical treatment, they shared with me the results of a test uh, as he fasted and prayed before that test. Uh, they go in for this test that was supposed to confirm the condition that she already had, but actually confirm the move of God in her little body and that she was healed. That still is supposed to happen. Your eye was blind, but now I see. You struggled with this or that, but God healed you in your mind, body, and soul. His body was broken so that you may be whole. And that's why we do this in remembrance of him. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup, I don't know about you guys, but I like to drink with my whole meal. Anybody like that? I'm like, give me more water. Oh, I'm so thirsty. I can't swallow. You know, I'm that guy. But I've never thought about it this way, but Jesus waits till the end. Maybe that's part of a tradition I don't know about yet, and I'll study up one. But he waits to the end to take the cup, maybe that they've been drinking in the whole time. I don't know. And this thing that you've held in your hand and, and you know, that you will hold in your hand again when you eat again, every time you drink of this cup, maybe you look at a cup differently. You look at a cup every time you hold it differently than you, you would before. His, what's in it is more symbolic of anything you've ever had in your life. His blood that was spilled for you, for me, so that we could be whole in spirit that we could be with him forever. Whenever you, eat this, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup, right, of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone, this is so important, a lot of times we leave this out, ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Look within your life. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. What does that mean? Is there anything that separates you 
from having the full right relationship with the Lord? Anything. Because if so, examine yourself to make sure you have. What does it mean? God, forgive me of my sin. I walk toward you. Repent. Confess. Be free. So let's take this bread together and hold it in our hand. And I believe as we do it this morning, as, as we, we crush this between our teeth, that we will identify with the crushing of Christ's body in that way, the, the, this body that was broken for you, you know, that, that you may behold this, this flesh that was torn from him so that yours may be intact. This is symbolic of what he wants to do every day in your life, make you whole. So close your eyes with me. God, we thank you for your son and for his body that was broken for us so that we may be whole. God, we thank you that we can be healed, that, Lord, we can be whole and healed. We partake together in Jesus' name. Go ahead. And now, Lord, we hold this cup in our hand. This cup that is symbolic of the blood that was spilled upon Calvary so that we could live with you forever. That our soul would be complete with you forever. We thank you that you have forgiven us and that you have enabled us to forgive. We thank you that we have relationship with you, not just here, but forever. We thank you. We have judged. We have looked within ourselves. We have examined ourselves. And we are in the right place with you. And we thank you for that. Partake with me this morning. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. So do me a favor this morning. If you will, would you stand with me? As we finish out our time of worship in the Word. And I want to ask if, if you would like prayer for anything, if we could agree with you on anything this morning. Uh, before the end, you could just make your way up and we could spend a couple moments together. Even after service is fine too if, if, if you don't feel comfortable during. But let's spend a couple moments together and uh, just believe for what God wants to do in your life. Uh, if you need patience, he'll give it to you. <laughs> I know I do, and I have received, but I need to continue to receive every single day, right? Patience. God, help us <laughs> with this. Let's worship this morning as we conclude. Folks, we'll be here to pray with you as well, all right?